What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So I graduated 2011. By 2012, I was already making six figures. And when I opened up the paperwork for the D-League contract, it was like 14 grand. So I'm like, there's tens of millions that I'm just moving here. And I'm looking at a $14,000, $15,000 contract. And I'm like, bro, this ain't it. Folks know about NVIDIA and AMD just because of the stock ticker, but they not really understand the whole entire landscape. There's dozens of companies making billions of dollars. That so no many one even knows. No one even know their name. After I got my Arizona State, NBA. I did think in my mind like rapper go to the league, but in my mind, semiconductor league is Silicon Valley. So I was like, oh, I gotta go where it's popping. Like yeah. I'm doing what I'm doing, but I gotta be doing it for like the Google, Samsung. I need them to be my clients. So one of the questions that we oftentimes get is, what does tech is the new black mean? All right, look, I'm not gonna cap. We don't get that question, but instead what we do get is people not understanding what tech is the new black means. So that's really the truth. So oftentimes people look at the name tech is a new black and they just simply think we're saying, oh, tech is black people's thing now. And it's, that isn't necessarily what the, the, the title of the term means. It's a bit of a double or triple entendre. Part of it is saying, hey, tech is the industry everybody should be paying attention to. And the reason why I say that is because something being the new black comes from the fashion industry. Essentially, it means that this is the, the it color or the it trend that everyone in the fashion industry is into. So it coined the term new black because black is the most popular color in fashion. Now, other industries have used it where they say 21 or 31 is a new 21, you know, uh, orange is a new black like the show. Mm -hmm. But we say tech is a new black, meaning that, hey, this is the industry that everyone should pay attention to. No matter what you're doing, you need to pay attention to what's happening in this industry. But the other entendre or meaning behind it is saying, hey, we're addressing what new black is. Because as a, as a black man myself, and I'm sure many of you can resonate, let us know in the comments, I grew up hearing things like, yo, you don't talk black, where are you from? Or, yo, black people don't dress like that. Black people don't talk like that. This is how black people do things. And more often than not, it was things that were negative or derogatory or not something that we really want to associate ourselves with, or at least we shouldn't associate ourselves with. So the whole notion of tech is the new black is really saying that, hey, for those that don't think that tech is for black people, and most times it's black people that question that, it's saying, no, this, this is new black. Whatever you think black is, if it's negative, if it's derogatory, if it's something that's ignorant, or even if it's something that's okay, but it's something that's old and outdated, that's old black. This is new black. What you're seeing here, healthy relationships, quali like quality, like finances, making good money, being smart, being articulate, educated, this is what black is. That being said, the guest that we have today, he had an opportunity to play in the NBA. Incredible, incredible uh, industry, 
incredible field of work, would never say anything bad about that industry at all. Nevertheless, one of the things in our community is that oftentimes we look up to rappers, athletes, we look at these industries as if, oh, those are the black industries. Those are the only way out. Those are the only ways to be successful. But one of the reasons I'm excited about our guests is the same way we say tech is a new black, that this is something that black people cannot just survive in, but can thrive in. Our guest is a prime example of that. So I'm excited to talk about it today. Thank you for being on here for Tech is a New Black. Man, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. So so look, let's let's jump into it out the gate. So why did you turn down being uh, in the NBA to pursue a tech career? Man, I'm not going to lie. Like, I grew up playing basketball damn near my whole life. Yeah. And, you know, it was always something that was perpetuated. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, and I had an opportunity to play in these basketball leagues, pro-am leagues. Ended up, you know, playing for USA, in this USA basketball um, uh championship that was at Colorado Springs, mm -hmm. right? And so the winner of that um, championship league ended up playing for the USA basketball team at the FIBA World Championships. Mm -hmm. So I go to Athens, Greece to represent USA. My job had to actually give me time off to go do that. And so I had a great time. We, we, we did well, came back, and then that's when like the NBA D-League opportunity started to come. And and I was still off at the time, so I went ahead and I went to the Washington Wizards D-League team. At the time, it was Iowa Energy. Mm -hmm. And uh, tried out, did fairly well, came back, got the contract, and was like, nah. I'm, I'm sticking with this with this engineering role at On Semiconductor because I was already seeing what was happening. And it was uh, it was incredible. Yo, that's great. How, how long ago was that? That was 2012. Bro, I ain't even. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be very real with you, y'all. I do my best to keep my finger on the pulse of most things that are happening. Nevertheless, it's so much happening. It's impossible to, to stay on top of everything. I wasn't even peeping anything about semiconductors until a year ago, yeah. and so you recognized that was gonna be not even. Not even. Let me not even highlight what you did. Right. How, like, what was it about it that you figure, hey? This thing is something I should pay attention to instead of just doing the cool thing and, and just and playing basketball. Well, it started when I was in well, I was at Purdue, right? Okay. So I'm at Purdue, getting ready to graduate, I'm looking at jobs, you know, I'm getting job offers from like Verizon as a network engineer. I got mm -hmm. a job offer from Target for the leadership development program and all of these things. And they were typically around like 55K, 60K, yeah. you know, decent, I think, for yeah. a new college graduate. Yes, yeah, definitely. But I, you know, I went to this, they call it the Justin Time Fair at mm -hmm. Purdue. So it was literally, it was like a couple of weeks before graduation. I go, I talk to this, um, to a couple of companies there, and on semiconductor wanted to, you know, um, interview me. So they fly me out to Arizona. And I, that wasn't my first time in Arizona. I had a track meet out there beforehand. So mm -hmm. I got with some of the bros there and I started to kind of gel with what was going on. And it was, you know, warm weather, things was nice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let me see what they're talking about. And they offered 75K out the gate. Mm -hmm. And that's not including like what I could make in terms of commission on top yeah. of that. Ooh. You already, you already know, yeah. 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 
Yo, I love it. So, okay, that makes so, a lot of sense. So when I when I literally peeped that and I got into the into the industry, by the time this happened in 2000, so I graduated 2011. By mm-hmm. 2012, I was already making six figures. And so Man. I'm I'm had this six-figure job and when I opened up the paperwork for the D-League contract, it was like 14 grand. Now mind you they pay for room and board and, you know, your development and it's an opportunity to go play overseas or in a in an actual league yeah. like totally a dream for sure mm-hmm. but i'm running the numbers and i'm realizing like i'm in the semiconductor industry i'm in sales i got i'm i'm watching millions tens of millions of dollars in transactions get made off of what i'm doing yeah so i'm like okay there's tens of millions and i'm just move in here and I'm looking at a fourteen, fifteen thousand dollar contract and I'm like, bro, I had had that hard conversation with myself, like, this ain't it, not for me. Bro, that's inc- man, that's so incredible that you did that. Cause what's what's dope about that is I know some people could could hear that and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it, it does make sense. But hardest it, decision of my life. Oh my without gosh. question. Come on, bro. Everybody, you know, I lived Played. Yeah. I was playing 2K. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, one real. I'm deep into it, right? Like yeah. AAU games and all this and that. But you know, when it came down to it, it's just like, you know, I got to think about where I want to be 10, 15, 20 yes. years. And I'm thinking about it. Like, even if I get into the league, let's just say I get in for like three, four years. Yeah. You run the numbers on that. Let's say I somehow get, you know, a million dollars a year yeah. on a contract or something like that. You know, after that, what happens? You know what I mean? Bro, what am I that's doing? what people don't talk about. What am I doing? What am I going to do after that? Bro. Meanwhile, I'm I'm working, and I'm working in a way where, like, it's real chill. Like, I'm, I don't have to go to practice. I don't have to wear my body out. I'm yeah, going to true. an office. Half the time, I ain't even going to an office because I got a territory. So I'm mm. going to accounts when I set, I'm setting up my own meetings. Like, mm. I got so much freedom. But I got a lot of responsibility. So as long as I'm bringing in the money, they, you know, they leave me alone. So it's, it was a great opportunity. It was a great company that I was working at at the time. And I just like, bro, this makes more sense. To yes, me. man. Trying to, bro, that's yeah. so fire. You know, I have a, I have a few different uh, athletes that have in the, in the past, especially in the past year and a half, have been in my DMs, and and no, nobody that's like that anybody really knows. But there are different athletes that are, some of them are still playing. Mm-hmm. And both football players as well as, uh, as well as basketball players, where it's like at the end of their, at the end of their contract. And they've been like, hey bro, what's, like, what's up with this tech stuff type of thing. <laughs> right. And, and that's, I, that's when I started doing a little bit of research. And we, we had a guest on uh, recently, somebody that, that we're, uh, we're good friends with, uh, who's, who's, been on, who's been on a podcast. And she was sharing how she had an opportunity to play in the WNBA. And mm. her father was like, no, 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 no. Like, you should look into that tech stuff. And she's like, what'd you talk about? And she looked into it and she literally just Googled, how much do you make WNBA? How much do you make working in tech? And she quickly saw, oh. Now, of course, that's a whole different story to WNBA because even stronger. annual salary, she's gonna make more. Mm-hmm. But. What you're sharing, and I think I want people to make sure people don't miss this. What you're sharing is, hey, yeah, maybe the first year to three years, I would make more in that time frame playing playing basketball. 
But one that the average contract or tenure for someone to play is somewhere between two and a half to four years. Straight up. And then, okay, 10 years after that, like we, we all know the majority of people, and not saying this would have been your no. case, but the majority end up bankrupt mm-hmm. because they made so much money in a period of time. And it's also not really a field where people are really rubbing shoulders with like people that have that are business savvy. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a it's like a, a industry where you make a, a lot of money, but you're also around people where everybody's just spending it like crazy. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Versus the industry that you chose was an industry that you realize, okay, long term, not super long, but long term, I'm gonna make more money. But also I'm gonna have an opportunity to scale complete longevity. And and maybe you considered this or didn't consider this at the time. I'm sure you know this now. But now I'm sure you have a network of people that are in the industry that it's like, man, not only are they making money, but the way that they handle their money, the, the, the plans that they have, it's like on a whole different level. Without question. And then, you know, I also, I've always had an entrepreneurial mind, mm-hmm. but this was like a whole different ball game. Yeah. So I, I couldn't even like get into a mind state where I'm like, okay, I'm going to build my own company right now. I was like, no, nah, I got to learn this the hard way. I need to go you know, to a couple companies. I need to really see where the innovation is happening. Like, yeah. mm. why is this company making $5 billion a year? Yes. I need to know that. Yeah. And matter of fact, I need to know the CEO. The CEO need to know my name. Yeah. Right? Like, everywhere I've gone, like, I've always tried to make myself valuable in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And I'll show up just like this. And they got to get me to hold me. And mm-hmm. so... And I, I think that also educates them like, oh, there's somebody that looks completely different from a completely different background, but still coming with with the gas. Yeah. You know, no breaks. Really. Yeah. Come you on. Know? And so I think that's that's kind of helped open up some 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 minds mm-hmm. along the way. And, I, you know, I always try to bring people behind me like I set up on two different occasions. I set up diversity inclusion programs like mm-hmm. Companies that have been around for 20 plus years got no DEI initiative at all. Man. Ain't even talked about. I'm talking about look at the, the, the uh, they call it a consumer or a corporate social responsibility report, right? The mm-hmm. CSR report. And in there, you're supposed to talk about your diversity play, yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It was two different occasions. There was nothing in there for black people, period. Man. And I had to address that straight to the mm-hmm. VP of HR. Like, yo, what's why we don't have nothing here? What's Ooh. going on? Crazy. Oh, bro, I didn't. I, I didn't have people scrambling just oh, off man. that alone. Just, yeah, it, it cut through some air, like for real. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, yo, it's a, it's you are a public company. You actually supposed to be doing yeah, that. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's like, to their benefit. Yeah, yeah. without question. Yeah. And they they actually appreciate it too. Yeah. So it's like, all right, well, let's start. Figuring this out. Like the first time I was super involved. Yeah. It was like a whole nother job though on top of my ah, job. Ah, yeah. Second time I was like, no, 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 no. Y'all ain't gonna make me do extra work. <laughs> a global diversity director and you know, really should be somebody reporting to the CEO and all that, but that's a whole nother long story. But at the end of the day, um, I think I, I agree with you, brother. Like I think there's a lot more people that need to be exposed to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Be exposed to the money that's being generated. Yeah. You know, folks know about Nvidia and AMD just because of the t- stock ticker. Yeah. But they're not really understanding the whole entire landscape. Mm-hmm. There's dozens of companies making billions of dollars. Right. So no many one companies. even knows. Don't even exists. know their name. 
No, without question. Bruh, that, that's yeah. one of the things I, I tell people all the time because oftentimes when people first start to get in tech, I see everybody jump into the, you know, they'll jump to the Google, they'll jump to the Apple, the Amazon, all of those. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, it, and then they're just not even paying attention to the, and I'm like, y'all are, do not sleep on a company just because you haven't heard of them. Man, and, a lot of those companies became my customers. Now, can you imagine just like the script that is played when you walk into a meeting and you got Amazon execs sitting on one side of the table, me and my team sitting on the other side, and we trying to figure out how we can be a best service to them Man. to help them get to their, you know what I mean? It's, it's was, available, you yeah, know, and, and you, I, I feel like you've also had the same kind of experience to a certain extent. Oh, I'm talking about Amazon. I ain't doing no stuff like no, that. No, I'm not with Amazon. <laughs> I'm just saying, and just in terms of just understanding like the whole environment, the, the competitive landscape. Oh yeah, like definitely. All these companies and how much money they have to yes. purchase from other companies. Yeah. And it's still the, the, you're still in the same league. The right? moving of, yeah, exactly. And it's the moving of money is just it's crazy. I haven't worked for any tech company that wasn't worth several billion dollars. And all of the companies that I've worked at, m- most people I post I talked about them online, most people on social media never heard of them. And I'm like, that's billions of dollars you never heard of them bro and it's like it's not sexy it's not all over the news it's not you know if you're interested in breaking into a six-figure career in tech or scaling to over half a million dollars in tech then this video is for you if not then just swipe away but i was able to break into the tech industry october 2021 and in my first year i scaled to over half a million dollars in tech my second year i was able to gross over a million dollars More importantly, I was able to freely help over 600 people break into six-figure tech careers as well and scale further in the industry. Now, the number one question I've been getting from people is how was I able to do this? How was I able to make so much money? How was I able to also help as many people as I've been able to help? Well, aside from doing coaching calls and trying to spend a whole bunch of time helping people individually, I've decided to create the Tech Rich Program, where I literally break every single thing down that I've done and what I've been doing to show others how they can break into tech faster or scale to over half a million dollars plus within their first few years in the tech industry as well. All you gotta do, click the link in my bio, all the information's there, check out the description, message me if you have any other questions, and I'll see you on your journey scaling in tech. What I'm, what I'm curious about, so we talked about semiconductors, and uh, we, we, we have a lot of, lot of questions, a lot of different things to talk about, but I'm curious, can you explain to people, what is a semiconductor? Sure, so it's really the foundation to any electronic product. On the man, so if it got a light switch, chances are it has a semiconductor in it. Okay. Now there are a lot of different types of semiconductors. There are um, called digital chips. You got analog chips. You got mixed signal chips, analog and digital. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, I I started out just selling chips, like and you know that's what I was educated on at Purdue. So when I ran over to uh, on Semiconductor to work for them, I already kind of had a understanding of, okay, these are your power management chips. This is how you like power a lot of these modules, these systems. Um, they also had like image sensor chips. These are the, the chips that are behind the camera that actually capture the raw images and the data. And then you have all types of processors and things that are like that act like the brain 
yeah. to a device and tell it what to do or to run the operating systems, right? So I know you had a guy on here talking about Linux, a yeah. Linux systems uh, guy, and you know the Linux operating systems is just one of many different types of operating systems mm -hmm. that run on a chip. Every single operating system runs on a chip Bro. and needs a processor to, to sell it or to, uh, to run it. Man, that's incredible. So, so is there any correlation between semiconductors and superconductors? Not fully, not okay. necessarily. That's a, that's, a, that's a little bit of different niche. Um, and superconductors, you know, you're talking about, you could have like ones that are fixated on capacitance, but it's not necessarily uh, in the same lane as semiconductors. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So, so I know you attended Purdue University, but you have some experience uh, with both HBCUs and PWIs. So I personally, I've never attended college at all. I did a tech boot camp. That's how I was able to get in the industry. But I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you compare or, or, or how do those differ? Like, just whatever experiences you have with PWI versus HBCUs. Well, when I was coming out of high school, I didn't have a lot of experience or interactions with HBCUs at all. Okay. I did hear a lot about Howard and Morehouse. Yeah. But that's just through, like, conversation and, like, drumline. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> watch, drumline. you know what yeah. I mean? I, we was in the culture watching what, you know, everyone else was watching. By the way, both of my parents were born in Nigeria. Okay. So they were immigrants coming in here. They had me. I was born in D.C. Um, but then, you know, I moved to Chicago, and that's when, like, I fell in love with also engineering Yeah. Um, there. So, but in terms of, like, the differences, it, it was, it's kind of, I have a very partial, like, I feel like differentiated story because when I went to Purdue, I had a very black experience. Okay. I mean, it's 30, 40,000 students that go there. It's a couple thousand black students okay. that come in every year. So when I was there as a freshman, I actually gravitated to everything black. Black Student Union, Nesby. Nesby was founded at Purdue. Right, so there's a great community there. Um, of course, the Omega Psi Phi fraternity. Mm -hmm. That's how I, you know, um, that's what. Oh, I see. I like saw you reverend when you walked in. Oh that. yeah, without question. You know, but that that actually was my connection to other brothers that um, were on the Morehouse campus. Mm -hmm. um, that's side side chapter. So Rho Sigma, that's Purdue University side chapters. Morehouse, and you know, some of my best friends are you know graduate or went to Morehouse and, and mm -hmm. uh, joined a fraternity through side chapter. So I, I was able, and I, I went to my first Morehouse homecoming last year. So like I was, I got to be able to see that. Oh, vibe. Man. Yeah, that was a, that's a vibe for sure. That's, that ain't, that's not quite Purdue, but we, oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> we definitely have like um, some, some different experience. I th and I also think like the HBCUs are way more intentional about, you know, black history and, and teaching mm -hmm. us about, ourselves and through a lot of different lenses. Uh, Purdue, not quite so much. Um, I think my the main reason why I went to Purdue was because, one, I wanted to go to a top engineering school. Mm -hmm. And like I just Googled at the time, and Purdue was top five, and they were sending me letters and wow. all types of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and then a second reason why was because I wanted to play in the Big Ten. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Big Ten champ, Big Ten conference. 
they playing on TV. You got basketball. Damn. You got football. They lit. Yeah. Like I'm like okay, yeah, I'm 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 good over oh, there. Yeah. I know I'm gonna get the full college like experience going there, and also trying to knock out this engineering degree. Yeah, man, that's that's so fire, mm-hmm. man. So, so you, we were talking earlier about your experience in Silico- Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and. Uh, for those that don't know, I think at this point most of our audience knows, but for those that don't know, Silicon Valley is seen as like the mecca of the tech industry. And, but one of the things I've met since I've been in the industry, I've met more and more people that kind of had their maybe beginnings or cut their teeth in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. that look like us. Oh, yeah. And it's like a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Yo, I never hear stories or see much like outside, like before being in tech, I didn't realize how many of us like really thrived and had impact or influence in Silicon Valley. It didn't used to be like that. Okay. To be very clear, but it's grown. Okay. Definitely grown. I've seen, I've watched it grow. Okay. So the question that I had with that is, all right, so what was your experience like, you know, in Silicon Valley? And what was it like, and just is it like in general? Yeah, so after I got my Arizona State um, MBA, mm-hmm. I did think in my mind, like, yo, it's like rapper go to the league. But in my mind, semiconductor league is Silicon Valley. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, true. That That's literally, cool. it was, I was like, oh, I got to go where it's, where it's popping. Like, yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of. I'm doing what I'm doing, but I got to be doing it for like, the household names, yeah. like the Google, Samsungs. I need them to be mm-hmm. my clients. So that's why I took that job uh, at Microchip, uh, okay. Microchip Technology in San Jose. So I moved to San Jose. Okay. Oof, man. First of all, the cost of living. I when you factor it in, I took a pay cut. Oh yeah. Factor it in, I took yeah. a pay cut without question. But it was what I needed to get in. Because yeah. it wasn't a whole lot of companies that was letting your boy in, even though I had the stats. But mm-hmm. it was okay. Like I got an opportunity, joined them, um, spent a year in San Jose. Outside of the job, hated it. Hated it. It was nothing Man. for us to do, brother. Ooh. When I go outside, go to a little bar. It's nothing but. Not well, us. I there. I heard that there's like, like not much to do out there. I, I went, you know, go to a couple, whatever's, you know what I mean, yeah. just to catch a vibe. It was not catching the vibe that I <laughs> oh, personally wasn't a wanted vibe to be caught myself. Wasn't a vibe to be caught. I just no, it was just I, you know, and then I started. I had a another Purdue um, good friend of mine, D'Angelo. He's he's out in Oakland, mm-hmm. so I'll just go up to Oakland. Oh. That's, there's the vibe. Nine days. There's okay. Nine days. So still Bay Area. Yeah. But I had to go to Oakland to get that outlet to yeah. get that released to be with my people. Ooh man. Yeah. So it's a, and it's a 45 minute drive depending on the traffic. You yeah. Know, if it's a Friday afternoon, boy, it's an hour and some change without Ooh. question. But you know, I within a year I moved to Oakland. I moved to, and I I, I moved to man. West Oakland too. I didn't go to just like <laughs> like. You know, downtown where everything's nice and pretty. I I was in near they call it the bottoms. You had to be. Was that there snow? Was that where a snowfall people. was? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, but it was people. it was it was good though because I I really was I was tapped in with the people. Shout out to Mr. Fab and all of them. They like they welcoming great lovely people. Yeah. Um, 
and it was way it was way more closer to home. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's 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 such a real thing. Yeah. I think so with with Silicon Valley being seen as like the mecca of tech, what I've been noticing and most people have been noticing this, whether we're talking Austin, Atlanta, Miami, like various parts of the US, a lot of talent has been leaving Silicon Valley in the past. I mean, especially since the pandemic, but even a little bit before the pandemic. Yeah. And so do you believe that Silicon Valley is slowly losing its crown as the mecca of tech? Yes. Okay. I mean, slowly, but there's still incredible talent there. You can't deny it. Oh, yeah, true. It's not, you can't even... Anyways, like it's, it's not moving anywhere anytime soon, but I do believe that folks that care a lot about work-life balance, especially in our communities, right. we are realizing that we don't have to be pigeonholed to the bay. Yeah. I mean, what we do as engineers and with COVID now allowing folks to realize the power and the opportunity of being able to get things done remotely. It's like, bro, you don't have to, you know, bear that cross of staying there if you don't want to stay there. Yeah. And for me, I wanted to make sure I got the, the, the experience and the proof points to show that I'm valuable in whatever room that I walk into. So mm -hmm. after, you know, my, I want to say sixth year of being in the industry. No, actually it was like seven, seven or eight years of being in the industry. I was like, I'm good. Like I'm cemented. I feel yeah, solidly in place. I feel like if I wanted to veer off and go to a different um, lane, I could do that, fail and still jump back. Like I felt mm -hmm. like I was in that mode. Um, but when, when the pandemic happened, first of all, it was like, I was, I was on a birthday trip because mm -hmm. my birthday was March 10th. And I remember like yesterday, March 11th, the president got on the news and was talking about a panoramic and it was, and it was that next day. I was like, you know what? My lease is about to be up. I'm putting my stuff in storage, and I'm moving to LA. Uh, and I, the reason, the reason why I came to that conclusion was because I immediately felt like the fact that this is an airborne type of like situation. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're forcing me to get exposed in the office. True at that. least, at least for a year. Yeah. So that was where my mind went. I was like, you know, I put it, put all my stuff in storage, moved down to L.A., got uh, I moved in with, with some, some of my folks that lived down in Marina Del Rey for like four or five months. We just, you know, quarantined together. And then mm -hmm. I found my spot in downtown L.A. and was like, you know what, mm -hmm. I'm cool right here. I'm going to give me a nice little view, something to feel inspired by and, yeah. and keep working. Bro, so it sounds like you made that move, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you made that move before your company even put out the notice of saying, hey, y'all, we don't have to come into the office for a while. Without question. <laughs> and and part of it was I already was in sales. And so I was going to the office like two, almost three days a week anyways. And yeah. That was if I felt if, if I had meetings there or whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, and I covered all of North America working for this company oh, called cool. Synopsis. So OK. Synopsis. I was a 
I mean, my formal title was product solution sales manager, but really it was like a sales specialist role for mm-hmm. all of the chip companies that needed processors in all of North America. And what, what did that job look like? Like, what, what were you actually doing? So I would go into companies that were building chips, and I will talk to them about, you know, what they were actually trying to build, like what their end goal was for the chip's function, their functionality, and I would suggest processors and IP that they could utilize in that chip that they would need to buy to make the chip. Okay. Yeah, so I went from selling chips to being a vendor to the chip suppliers. Oh, man. So I went up the chain, and, and you know, so now microchip and all semiconductor, those companies now became my customer. Yeah, that's crazy. Which is, is, is actually a crazy thought, um, but it worked out well. I loved what I was doing. I did that for three years, man. Um, well, actually more than three years because I worked at a, a company called Sci Five that um, builds a new style of processors as well. Um, but yeah, like not to bore people with the tech details, but you know this is like the foundation, foundation to a lot of what um, runs AI or any machine learning yeah. algorithms or. You know, just basic IoT. Yo, so for everybody who's listening to this and you're thinking, man, I would love to have a career in tech like what this guest is talking about right now. I suggest you check out Careers Bootcamp. Not only is Careers the bootcamp that I did to break into tech, but it's also the bootcamp that most of my friends did to be able to get in the industry as well because they have a variety of different roles that you are able to take to be able to land into the tech industry. Now, one thing that we're very excited about is that Careerist has given our audience a $300 off discount link that's specific to the link that we have in our bio. If you click on this link, not only do you get $300 off their regular price, but even if you catch Careerist during a special sale or any type of discount that they have going on, you can pair our discount link on top of that to get an additional $300 off. So make sure you go ahead and click on that discount link and keep us posted on your journey breaking into tech. Well, this, this stuff is so important because people don't realize how, how like granular and detailed this stuff is to where it's like, you know, cause we, we have a lot of surface level roles that we talk about, but it's like people don't realize just how deep it goes when it comes to jobs that you can do and the variety of jobs you can do. Yeah. It's like immensely, immensely layered. And so, no, it's really important to talk about. I, I recently I recently finished watching Snowfall. And one, because of you talking about, you know, you talking about L.A. and Cali and all of that. It's got me thinking about it. But in two, you talking about how you went from working at one of those uh, companies that sold chips to to working at a company that sold something to the companies that sold chips. And so I guess one, one way my mind is thinking thinking of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm trying to think of like a, a, a simplification. No, listen, way I know where you're going. <laughs> so for those that have watched Snowfall, y'all probably get this analogy. But even those of y'all who hadn't, you'll, you'll kind of understand this. So initially, Franklin Saint, he was, not initially, but at some point, he was he was getting in the getting the powder. And he was breaking it down into crack rocks. But then he, eventually, after a few seasons, he was like, hey, you know what? I no longer want to be the one that's out there selling the, the crack rocks. Instead, I can just be the supplier where I'm supplying the powder to other territories that want to break down the crack rocks and sell. So that way we're not there, Whole, out there in the streets no more. Wholesale. Yeah. So, so 
I bring up that analogy. Is that similar in a way to what it was you're doing? So you're yes, okay. Is, I'm no longer selling the chips. Without question. Okay, cool. And and you know we grew up watching New Jack City and yeah. all types of movies and TV shows that depicts that kind of um, activity. Yeah. Like just is rampant. It was it was out there mm-hmm. now. What made me dangerous, bro, was when I first got on the scene and I first started selling chips, I realized like, oh, okay, um, I had to learn that they had distributors. So every chip company would sell chips to um, distributors who would then sell to the end customers. So yeah. essentially the distributors would be like the guys selling rocks, yeah. so to speak, right? Um, or distro, right? Like whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> power. Everybody, you know, we we hip now. So. Oh yeah. Um, and it was wild because sometimes some of the distributors would try me. How and, so? And I would tell you. Let me, let me tell you. So, you know, as I'm trying to, my job is to sell chips. No matter if I'm selling it directly to the customer or selling it through a distro, I'm just trying to get sales. Yeah. So in order to get those sales, I need to have conversations to understand what these customers need. And usually the distributors would take me to these customers to do that. Like that's just how the, the, the industry works mm-hmm. there, right? And so some of the distributors, they would try to hide their customers from me because they may have a relationship that where in which they want to sell someone else's product to that customer uh, instead of my product, yeah. right? So then what do I do? It's all good. Make my own relationship with the customer. And now I might provide them a price cheaper with a different distro Ooh. than them. And now they like- Now they cut out know, the business. Now they cut out the deal. Like, bro, I was doing that in my sleep I, I didn't even know I was doing it Get but I was doing it just because it was just a, a natural instinct like yeah. bro like you're not about to play you know matter of fact I didn't even go to my bosses to tell them about this like I'm I'm cutting deals and I'm making it work to where I'm still being able to get to the the the, the sales that we needed and Ooh. there's all of those nuances that you wouldn't think we're we're absolutely prepared for yes we are you know what I'm saying yeah. like that's something like you know, in other cultures, if you hadn't seen or understood like that kind of arrangement, that kind of environment, you might get shook or you might get frustrated. Right. But for me, it was, oh, don't even trip. You, yeah. think, you think I'm stupid. Okay. Oh, yeah, for trip. real. Don't worry about it. I won't even, <laughs> don't, don't even trip. I got you. Yo, that's, that's literally so funny. a scenario that happens. Like, man, it's, it's so, it's, it's so, ah, that's, that's so crazy. Oh, and then back to your earlier point, like, moving up the chain so yeah essentially i went from selling chips to selling to the chip suppliers ip that they need to make for their chip yeah and that's really as granular as you can get honestly um and that's why to this day you know um, synopsis is one of the largest chip design tools and ip providers in the world Mm -hmm. um and you know they're Headquartered out of uh, Mountain View, um, in the in the Silicon Valley, uh, incredible company. They work with seventy percent of anybody making a chip. So I had the opportunity to really understand what exactly is being made by any one provider or chip supplier because they already were engaged with them. So my my perspective yeah. is 
crazy different because now that I've left to start my own chip company, mm-hmm. I have a leg up on what a lot of my competitors are doing. Yeah. And so I can really craft what That's I'm fine. trying to build specifically for these companies and, and I'm focused on the automotive space right now. So so let's talk about that. Let, let's delve into that. Let's talk about, like, explain to us your company mm-hmm. and how you got it started and also how you're going about doing it. They might either be different from your competitors or just something that's unique about it in general. Yeah, so let's just start with the 3,000-pound gorilla in the room, which is NVIDIA. Yeah. NVIDIA is known for AI hardware. Mm-hmm. Now, their claim to fame really was when they created the GPU that was originally used for gaming graphics mm-hmm. and quickly has become the main basis for how companies train AI models. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about AI, it's usually the training of the AI models and then the inferencing where you actually use those models to actually use in the field for later. Yeah, And so they have a chokehold on the tra- on the training. Mm. And their GPUs, their GPU technology is what they use for training that allows it to accelerate those models to be done mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, so for but for myself, I'm focused on inferencing, which is on the other side of actually utilizing those models in battery constrained systems. Okay. And so what I'm doing differently is I'm leveraging custom AI engines that aren't GPUs that operate way more efficiently and can process those AI models a lot faster in a smaller space and very specific to what electric vehicle companies need. And I was talking to all the electric vehicle companies, so that's why I know. Yeah. All right, so countless people have been asking how they can be guests on Tech is a New Black. And ever since we have grown to being the largest tech business and tech career platform in the world, those requests have gone through the roof. So for everybody that wants to be a guest on Tech is a New Black, here's all you have to do. Are you ready? Either head to techisanewblack.com and fill out the guest request form, or click the link here to where you can go ahead and request to be a guest on our platform. That's it, it's that simple. But to let you know though, we are only looking for guests that are either founders of tech businesses, whether your entire business is is tech-based or you have technology within your business that you're leveraging, or we are looking for tech influencers to be on our podcast. People that can show those how to break into tech, scale in tech, get to the tech bag many different ways. When it comes to founders, we want founders that are either hiring or you're looking to reach investors or you're looking to get more brand awareness from being on Tech as a New Black. Make sure you head to our website or click the link in the description so that way you can be a guest on our show and we'll see you later. So so who are some of your, so who's like some of your, I guess, I wanna say like only target audience, but like who are some of your, I would say like top target audience or customers or customers? Yeah, so literally, Electric vehicle manufacturers. Okay. So when I was, and I have to be careful just because of confidentiality agreements and all of that, but basically anyone making an electric vehicle at this point, which includes all the traditional manufacturers, you know, your GMs, your Fords, to all your new players that are bringing in electric vehicles, your Rivians, your Fiskers, your uh, Teslas. Yeah. 
Um, that is the general market in which I'm targeting. Mm-hmm. Now, Tesla specifically, they make their own chips for mm-hmm. the ADAS systems. Uh, but, you know, that's a longer story because they almost failed their whole entire company trying to do that. They almost failed a couple times. Yes, without question. Without yeah. question. So, and, you know, they came to companies like Synopsys to kind of help with, you know, some portions of that design. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm just really excited about creating a company, an opportunity that I can have equity in while I'm making these same level of sales. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not even, you know, it's, it's for me, it's like business as usual, but just business for myself. Yeah. And, you know, because of my time working with these engineers that have created incredible products, mm-hmm. incredible semiconductor chips, like mm-hmm. I can literally cherry pick the best ones that I've worked with in my life and put them all in a room and, you know, get to work. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing right now. Man, so first, first off, what you're doing is incredible, but it's got me thinking. So I was at InvestFest recently, mm-hmm. and when I had a chance to kind of walk through and you know go to the uh, the the I guess vendor space with all the different vendors, okay. one of the things that I saw that broke my heart was that because because the last place I was at that had such a large like large vendor market space was Afrotech. Yep. And of course, Afrotech. Their vendor market space, they had tech companies. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, you see, and even even the smaller companies that were there were companies that what they were doing was something where it's like, oh, y'all are doing some stuff that's worth at least tens of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But then being at InvestFest, I mean, InvestFest, incredible, incredible event, incredible platform, everything they're doing, shouts out to Earn Your Leisure. And they had incredible vendors that were there. Mm-hmm. But a large portion of their vendors and businesses were things where I'm walking through and I'm seeing, you know, again, a lot of black owned businesses where it's like they're selling T-shirts mm-hmm. and they're, you know, they're, they're selling things. I don't even want to delve too much into it, but a lot they're of things are flicks. Yeah. And I'm going to be real. I was looking at it and I was like, man, a lot of us are missing a boat. It's like we want to be business owners and entrepreneurs, but we're starting businesses. They even if the business becomes successful. It's successful enough for to provide for you and your immediate family. Without question. It's not like a business that's gonna shake up some stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not a business like they're not competing, like their competitors aren't like your competitors. Like you're yeah. in a whole different league. Yeah. And it's like on one end, I love what you're doing, and, and I want people to really tap in with what he's doing, learn about his business. But also on the other side, it kind of also breaks my heart to where I'm like, man, so many people that are like, oh, I want to start a business right now. A lot of the businesses that they want to start, even I, I was I was on someone's podcast recently and his main source of income is that he owns a credit repair business, which mm-hmm. is dope. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to him during the podcast. I was like, dude, you're not using like you're not leveraging anything with AI. And he was, like, I don't know nothing about this stuff. And I told him, bro, you're trying to compete with this credit repair company, this credit repair company, and there's some some big, well-known companies. Yeah, for sure. I was like, best belief, I, I said, they're about to lap you three times over because they're about to start using AI. So while you're trying to catch up to what they're doing, you're catching up to stuff that they were doing. I said, best believe they're working on some stuff. You're not even, you're not even looking into this not stuff. Not even using the tools. And I'm like, 
And so I hear what you're doing and I'm like, man, I really want people to, to understand the value of what it is that he's doing and how it's like, so you know what, let, 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 let me pull back a little bit. I wanna, I wanna know from you, what's some advice that you would give to just people in general? Just what, what's advice you would give to people that are tuning in where they want to be business owners, mm-hmm. but advice that you would give, let's say you're mentoring them. You're like, okay, you wanna be a business owner. You wanna be an entrepreneur or whatever. What's advice you would give to them to look at like technology or whatever today to implement it? Really, it's bigger than just the tech piece. Yeah. It's really about passion, bro. Okay. Like find something that you already love to do. Okay. Or find something within that core love that you can learn in terms of a new skill set mm-hmm. and just get curious okay. because it's the curiosity that leads to some of those aha moments. Mm-hmm. But in order to get the curiosity, you have to have experience. Mm-hmm. So you could be the one to actually come in through the room and say, hey, I'm the guy to solve this situation, this issue, mm-hmm. because I've done the work. Yeah. And I've, I've recognized the problem because I've encountered it while working, right? And so, you know, for anybody, whether it's, you know, you're interested in engineering, or physics or medicine, like you really just gotta dive deep and don't be afraid to just get lost in the sauce of whatever the 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 subject matter or field is. And you know, as you learn, I feel like that's gonna allow for you to put yourself in a situation where you can also find that business that makes sense. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. But it's, it took me 12 years. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it took me so long is because one, you know, I wanted to, I, I didn't want to walk in the room, present my idea, and they'd be like, what does he know? Mm, that's real. You know what I'm saying? How, how is he the guy to do this? Well, sir, I've been selling this for 12 years. Yeah. I know what my customers are looking for. Yeah. I can provide the competitive differentiation which is huge. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to sell something like these T-shirts, and somebody next door got the same type of T-shirts with different words, like what? Like now you competing on what you're price? Competing on, you're competing on pennies. Yeah. When you could really be figuring out wh- how can I provide value? Yeah. And usually, a lot of the higher returns is in solving things that are meaningful yeah. to people's lives. Yes. Things that make an impact. Right, yeah. you impact somebody's life in a way that you know changes their trajectory forever, or in a massive way, or speeds up their productivity, or whatever it is that you're building. Mm-hmm. If you're saving dollars and adding value, mm-hmm. that could turn into a business. But you want to be the one to be qualified to bring that business yes. forward. You know, a lot of what you're saying as you're talking, I'm like, man, a lot of the things you're saying. Like where you're you're caring more about the pain points than just the oh can I provide this thing? But it's like you understanding, like you mentioned, understanding the customer and what they need, why they need it. As you're saying it, I'm like, man, this sounds a lot like a sales engineer. Then I remember like, oh yeah, <laughs> like literally one of the quotes that you that you have, and I wanted you to touch on this. You have a you're quoted as saying that sales engineers make the best CEOs or business owners. Why do you say that? 
in my humble opinion, I just feel like if you're not selling something, product or service, mm-hmm. you don't have a business. Yeah. Like, I mean, what That is else? what a business is. <laughs> you got a hobby or you got a non-profit, but if you're not selling something, you mm-hmm. do not have a business. So yeah. for you to understand what your customer needs and understand what will make them move, what will make them drive to a decision, mm-hmm. understanding the things that your business needs to be set up for in order to even get into the room to have that discussion. Like, yeah. I think, you know, if if, if a, a person that has a sales background has the right team and can create an environment for that team to thrive and create the product that they eventually can lead on selling, mm-hmm. you got a business. Yeah. That's how. That's why. That's why I feel that way. Yeah, no, I, I believe that, and I think being a sales engineer, I learned so much about just businesses in general, selling to businesses, but more importantly, understanding the pain points behind businesses and really just behind people or individuals. Yeah, yeah. And so that makes sense. Like when I when I saw that quote from you, I was like, "Yo, that is that's spot on." Yeah, spot I mean, I, on. Went, I went to get my MBA just so I can learn how executives make decisions. Really, that's literally why I was like, you know what, corporate talk, these guys are making wild decisions. Sometimes they don't even really be making sense. And then, you know, after getting my MBA and diving deep into why they make those decisions, I still realized like, oh, okay, some people just don't know what the hell they're talking about or what they're doing. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But to understand what most executives are, are thinking about when they're making decisions, not only just for cost reasons, but maybe... They don't want to disrupt what the software team is doing too much. Mm-hmm. So they don't want to shake that 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 tree over here. Or, mm-hmm. you know, even for sales engineers, you know, oftentimes I was leading a lot of the contracts, the negotiations. So I had to learn the legal jargon. I had to dive into them contracts and figure yeah. out what's necessary, what they need, what we need, how we retain our value, how we retain our interests. And before you know it, now I'm like going back and forth with our legal team and I'm getting a game from them. So it's like we, we're we always dealing with so many different lines of the business and so many different um, departments within the company. Mm-hmm. That exchange, those exchanges kind of help us kind of think a little bit more grand or uh, grandly about what the overall vision is for yeah. the company. Yo, that's huge. Yeah. Man, so... So we're coming up on time, and I have two questions. Well, really just two things. One, if you can go back, would you have made a different decision? Like, would you have gone into the NBA? So that's question one. And two, the second thing, I definitely want to still give you time to share, leave the audience with whatever gem or nugget that you have on your heart to share. All right, love would I have made a different decision looking back at it? No. I think I made a decision that has set me up and prepared me for this moment. Um, and I think about it now, like I could have <coughs> left, played for a couple of years, came back. Well, so that all that time that I would have left, I'm not learning the game of which of what I'm in right now. So I would have. There's an opportunity cost that I think would have been a lot greater than I would have wanted to afford. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, wrapping up, I just want folks to, uh, 
have less fear about the unknown. Like there's a lot of things that we don't understand as a community, but you know, this is a new generation, this is a new paradigm and tech is evolving fast, is like extremely fast. Yeah. Every three to six months is some, some new shit out there. So I think it's incumbent upon us to encourage not only our community, but our kids to get involved earlier, sooner. We don't have to wait. We don't have to get ready. Like, I applaud you, bro. You you didn't feel like you had to go back to college to attack this field. And like, that's what we need to be on. Now, I feel like also it doesn't mean you don't need to go to college. Like, I feel like if you have an opportunity and you know what you want, that's a a big lane you can yeah. go in because it obviously has set me up for where I'm at but I don't I, I I don't knock however way anyone gets into the industry I just think they just need to try their luck if they don't have anything else that they're doing yeah if you are down on your ass right now pull up YouTube and man go with what's on your spirit and type it in yeah I'm here for that it out and then start diving into the subject matter and understanding and trying to become an expert. It don't matter what it is, software, programming. I don't, I don't even like the code, really. But I dabble enough to know what I need yeah. out of an engineer. I know what languages mean what to certain folks. Yeah. And so I just got curious. So just continue to get curious, yes. man. I think that'll lead you a very, a very far away. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.